chapter three already, right? Right, I know, time flies, sort of, not really. But uh, at the same time, certainly we've talked about a lot as it's been. We've been perseverance because God, we've seen Christ's transformational truth, we've seen Christ's transformational nature, we've talked about what the new life in Christ is, and then this has a lot to do with the challenges of the new life in Christ. And really understanding what's certainly what's happened to you as well as what's What's wrong with everything else? We always talk in, you know, certainly the philosophical sense that every human being questions, who am I? Why am I here? What's wrong with the world? And what can be done to fix it? And in this, you'll definitely see what's wrong with the world. And, and back in the 1960s in Brooklyn, New York, there was an exhibit, the most dangerous creature on the planet. And what that was, very simply, was a booth. And you walked inside the booth, and there was a mirror. Guess who's the most dangerous creature in the world? That's us. So we don't see ourselves that way, obviously. But if we know the truth of God's word, we know that we're all sinners, and we're all in need of a Savior. And this helps to prove why, because we're going to talk about our speech a little bit today, and the speech of others, and the challenges that arise through that. So, dear Heavenly Father, as we approach your word this morning, I just ask course, that you tune our hearts and our minds to your will, that we may understand your truth and your glory that is present in this world. And so, Lord, cause us to grow in grace in this moment. Allow us to continue to use discernment and judgment uh, effectively, not uh, <clears throat> certainly not uh, without discernment in there in our judgment, but also just, Lord, continue to uh, work within us, continue to sanctify us, make us holy, um, make us into Christ's likeness. So we're here this morning because of your will, for your glory, and ultimately our good. So let us use this time well. We thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so James chapter 3 can be found on page 1114 in the Bibles in front of you in the pews. And it reads like this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a, a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, 
and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So before we dig in, just a general recap here for us. So James, in this general letter to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, which means everywhere that, you know, they had done, those 12 tribes, the dispersion, certainly modern-day Turkey. But again, this was good news. And if you remember from the first week, this is how the gospel goes out. This is how the gospel is shared through that dispersion, if you will. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so we see that even though there was trials and tribulations and sufferings, these people were able to share the gospel in that way. And as James, in this general letter with big, broad, swathing strokes and as a wisdom literature letter, or as it is, this is technically referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament, he repeats similar issues, but in many different ways. And this isn't something new that is just come up with. In fact, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, talks very simply and briefly about where temptation comes from. It's not from God. God can't be tempted, and he doesn't do the tempting. But temptation is from within, when our desires are born, if you will, as we are, we have desires within us, but we're consistently tempted. So it comes from within. In verse 19 and 21, he talks briefly about being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. In verse 26, he says, bridle the tongue, otherwise we deceive your heart, and your religion ultimately is worthless. And then in chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, he talks about partiality, how we treat others differently. So what is going on in that church, or what seems, is that culture has crept into the church body. This is nothing new. It still happens today, and we still experience it today. That culture has an impact on the church. Whether that's positive or negative, well, that's highly debatable, <laughs> and depending on how you look at it. But the leaders of the churches, or at least the teachers, which is why James brings up teachers and, of course, um, will be judged to a much greater standard than those, the leaders are seemingly following Roman culture by showing partiality and by teaching for their own profit and or their own power trip, not teaching God's gospel truth. And again, this is very prevalent today, just the same in the church, where there are, no doubt, many churches or popular, popular denominations, if you will, that don't necessarily teach about Jesus. It's about ten ways to be a better dad, or a better mom, or many other different things that aren't necessarily biblical and that aren't exegetically understood. If I wanted to create a topical sermon... I could very easily do that. Give me a topic and I'll pull a verse from here and a verse from there and a verse from over there and I'll tell you this great story that isn't biblical, even though the verses come from the Bible. Because the history and the context makes a gigantic difference. 
understanding what was going on in this letter, why the author wrote it, the history, the culture, all the background is important for us to understand. And so this is why I believe he had this letter to the dispersion. I also want to add this to our our study and our understanding, especially because it's James, the younger brother of Jesus, certainly the, the trials of growing up with Jesus as your older brother, but it seems that James paid very close attention to his brother Jesus. And so in both Mark chapter 7, verse 1 through 23, and Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 through 20, there is a dialogue. I included it at the back of the bulletin at the bottom for you to read them on your own time. But I do want to read uh, Matthew chapter 15, just verses 10 through 20 in this. And this is what defiles a person, if you will. And this is all in red, Frank, Jesus said. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Again, this isn't just about a tongue. <laughs> this is about the corrupt human sinful nature and our desires coming to light and us saying them and bringing them to light at the cost of hurting other people in our lives. But in this, we understand that certainly it is what comes out of the heart. But remember, Jesus came to change lives. He came to purify the conscience of the believer because religion couldn't do that. We learned that through Hebrews, our last study, as well as certainly it's all over Scripture. Read Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 34, and see God's new covenant. I will put my spirit in them. I will be their God. They will be my people. And no one will say, know the Lord, because each one of them will know me. And it is within those facts that each of us that have the blessing of the Holy Spirit indwelling within us know the Lord first and foremost. So now I think we can dig into the text. So verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Certainly this has a lot to do with Jewish culture and certainly with James being a Jew that this makes sense because those who knew the law understood that this is what the pinnacle almost of success was. We had the glory of working in Mark this week and talking about when Jesus called the disciples. One of the great glories of when Jesus called the disciples is that these gentlemen who were fishermen, every one of them goes to school 
to become a teacher of the law, or a, a Pharisee, or a Sadducee, if you will. And as they continue up the line of education, cuts are made. You're not good enough. You're not qualified enough. You're not going to be a teacher of the law. And those who were teachers of the law then got to pick students. And so what was so fascinating about Jesus calling those disciples is he picked people that the Jewish tradition wouldn't pick. And so teachers certainly were held to a higher remark. And in fact, that's what everyone wanted to be. When you were a little boy growing up in the Jewish faith, this is what you wanted to be. It was the most prestigious, most honoring job. It's also the one that's filled with the most temptation because when you get a powerful, prestigious job, guess what? The temptations are there. Are you going to abuse that power? Are you going to manipulate people for money? Or is it out of sincerity and love for the Lord that that finds you here in and of this moment. And I certainly am not abstained from this either, for I am a teacher called by God to lead a flock, to be a church planter, to come to a community, exegete that community, meet people, and continue to work in that. And I am held to a higher standard. Very simply, an easy way to look at it is you can go to Titus chapter 1, or you can go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and you can read about qualifications for elders. Elders, most definitely, are held to a higher standard, and quite frankly, it is scary. <laughs> because, well, too, too much has been given, too much is expected, I suppose you could say. And so, we see this, the qualifications, and being held to a higher standard. And he's bringing this out because, to those 12 tribes in the dispersion, there's a variety of different teachers out there. Imagine that. It's like, you know, there's a gazillion different teachers here too. Pastors, priests, ministers. Uh, we all seem to have a, a little bit different name, but uh, the biblical Greek name is episkopos, which is overseer or elder. Now, based on that knowledge that we're going to be held to higher standards, James goes into, for we all stumble in many ways. And boy, that's just the truth of scripture too. You know, we go to Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we're justified by his grace as a gift. And so, we all stumble each to our own way. And there's a warning in there, very simply, be careful who you receive teaching from, myself included. If anything, think about the book of Acts and think about the Jews in Berea. When they heard these things, they studied the scriptures day and night to make sure that these things were true. Most of us don't do that. We turn on something, we listen to it, and it's like, that's good. So we're trusting blindly at times, not discerning for ourselves that this is actual, honest teaching. This is godly teaching. You know, I think one of the easiest ways for us to understand especially when it comes to teaching, uh, very simply is, does this glorify God or does this glorify man? And the sad fact is a lot of times it glorifies man very simply because, well, men want to be glorified because of our inner pride and our sin and our desire for ourselves. So be careful. Certainly be careful out there. This is about Jesus, always has been and always will be about the Lord Jesus. Your life, which is why I say this is so important, everything stems from knowledge of our Father. 
He is the great creator. Everything in this world, he has an understanding of that we don't. Science, ultimately, is the slow revelation of God's creation. It does not create new things using nothing like God did. It takes things that already exist to try to understand them. And so we see that in our world and our society and our culture. So we all stumble. So what does that mean? It means I'm going to make mistakes. It means that maybe I'm going to say something foolish someday. I hope certainly that I never lead someone astray from the Lord Jesus, but understand that there's going to be mistakes. How I respond to those mistakes are important. Is it within grace that I'm like, oh, in humility, that I can admit that, yeah, I messed up? Or is it out of pride that's going to make me point my finger back at you and be like, you're the problem, not me? There's a big difference there. There are tons of big differences, and it doesn't go into details on this, of course. Again, broad, swathing strokes. Like, you just have to take it, certainly, for what it is. And being wisdom literature, too, you can't take it exactly for what it is, in the sense. It's a letter written, but you can always take God's word for exactly what it is. And so, while they certainly use metaphors throughout this and other analogies, we can still continue to grow in grace. But... Here's this, and this I find to be very telling, and especially in this first sentence. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. What's interesting about this is I think you can take this one of two ways. First off, you can take this as legalism, and you can make it about yourself. So if, if I bridle my tongue, then I'm going to be a perfect man, and I'm able to bridle my then I'm going to be awesome, if I do that, if. And now I've given myself something that is unachievable. <laughs> because James literally just said, for we all stumble. So it's conditional that if. If is absolutely conditional, but here's the thing. There, there is one person who is able, certainly, to not stumble in what he said. He is that perfect man. And he was able to bridle his own body. And in fact, let me put it this way. Jesus did not stumble in what he said. And he bridled his whole body in obedience. Obedience enough to suffer a horrible death on a slow, bleeding torture device known as the cross. And why? Because he had to, to pay for sin for you and for me. So there is one person in this. And growing in grace continually is from God. It's from his unmerited favor. Much like the songs that we sing, the words matter. This is why we don't do top 20 pop culture Christian hits every Sunday. Because the top 20 pop culture Christian hits every Sunday have exceedingly loose theology. They aren't necessarily biblically true or accurate. They're catchy, and they make you want to dance and have some fun, but it's not the truth. And so truth matters, and words matter, and who you listen to absolutely matters. This, because of what Jesus 
is and because of what Jesus has done is but one of many reasons why I listen to and follow Jesus. I seek to grow in his unmerited favor, not the unmerited favor of the world that is fleeting and changes day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour, week to week. <coughs> and because of that, knowing my own personal religious failures, because true religion, you know, according to James in, the, in chapter 1, is taking care of orphans and widows. Now, granted, he's alliterating back to Micah chapter 6, verse 8, where he's talking about social justice, ultimately, that God seeks social justice. But at the same time, I can't say that on a regular day-to-day -day basis, I take care of orphans and widows. Yes, I continue to love the Lord my God, and I continue to love other people, but as far as religion goes and social justice, there's a lot more that goes into that. I need grace. I'm not a legalist. I'm also knowledgeable enough to know that I don't live in lawlessness. I know that there is an order, that there is a design, and there is a, a purpose to life and a meaning behind it. So part of that is understanding my flaws, and especially the moral flaws, if you will, that we have. Because we do all stumble in different ways. The things that light my very short fuse, if you will, sometimes, uh, is not the same that's what's going to light your, hopefully, much longer fuse than mine when we get angry or when we have trials or tribulations, if you will. And so understanding that we all fail is certainly important, too. Because some people, like, you know, the, like the Greek, the word hypocrite means an actor. Someone who's pretending to be someone they're not. And in the world today, we have got tons of hypocrites. Tons of people putting on a facade or a persona that isn't real. They're not really showing you who they are. They're trying to be someone that ultimately they're not. And so we just need to understand that we all fail. And there is no such thing as perfection in this. And that we do need to grow in God's unmerited favor, also known as his grace. Now, point two builds on point one, very simply. Verse three and four of this, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And then look at the ships, though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so my questions to us to, again, continue to allow us to think is, who do you follow? Who do you follow? This could take multiple shapes and multiple forms, but we're going to keep on the teacher subject here. So which teachers do you listen to? Obviously, you're here, so you're listening to me. Praise the Lord on that, right? Like, hey, hallelujah. But uh, certainly, you know, we are the church. This isn't a just Sunday morning type of thing. We're his church, his body of believers from Sunday at midnight till the next Sunday at midnight, seven days a week, you know, 168 hours a week. We are his church. So what teachers do you listen to? And so the reason why I say that is because wherever the will of the pilot directs, the Bible is very clear in calling us sheep. Nobody likes the fact that we're called sheep because sheep are not very smart animals. But I encourage you to certainly 
take this in humility that we are not necessarily so smart. And we are indeed all followers. Every one of us follow someone or something. I'll get to that later in a moment. But with teachers especially, and especially Christian teachers, I'm going to throw out this one name, and, and like he is, to me, exactly what this says, because wherever the will of the pilot directs. Have you heard of Jesse Duplantis? Maybe some of you have, maybe some of you haven't. And if you haven't, praise the Lord. If you have, I hope you know that certainly he is not doing what he's doing for the sake of Christ. He's doing what he's doing for the sake of himself. Jesse Duplantis last year in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of 2021, came out with a fundraising plan uh, that he needed a plane. He needed a $26 million plane so that he can fly and share the gospel with the world. The thing about Jesse Duplantis is he already has four planes, and yet he needed a fifth. And you know what's even more shocking to me is that people keep giving him money to buy these planes. Sheep, what's wrong with you? You say you're smart. I'm going to create a shirt that says, never assume the sheep are smart. <laughs> because we're not. So not only Jesse Duplantis, but let me throw out some other names here for you too. Maybe you've heard of Joel Osteen. Maybe you've heard of Joyce Meyer. Maybe you've heard of Kenneth Copeland. Maybe you've heard of Joseph Prince, or maybe you've heard of Pat Robertson. I limited this. These are all TV evangelists. Every single one of them. And every single one of them has almost nothing to do with the Lord Jesus, but has everything to do with personal power and personal profit. It's wrong. And it's been wrong. And yet, what's the worst part about all this? Not that he's manipulating sheep or anything like that, but to an outside, unbelieving world that's looking for the reason to who I am, why I'm here, what's wrong with the world, and what can be done to fix it. They look at these guys for the truth. Because they're TV evangelists. According to my human measure of success, if I'm a TV evangelist, I have arrived. I've made it. Godly success is so different than human success. Godly success has nothing to do with numbers. Godly success has nothing to do with money. Godly success has to do entirely on love. And it revolves around the two great commandments, loving God and unloving people. It's not about what you have. And... Honestly, if you're in Christ, you've been blessed in the spiritual realms, in the heavenly places, with more blessings than you even know what to expect. You have been given more than the rest of the world. Just being in Christ, being called to his kingdom, being eternally saved with God. Someday there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, any of those things. God will be in our midst. He will be our light and there will be nothing but joy in our lives. Praise the Lord. Like, those are great things. Everything else I'm telling you, oh, these are not so great things. But that's the reality of the world that we live in. 
and people that manipulate other people for personal profit, gain, control, whatever it may be. Each one of them, remember, they're tempted. They're led astray by desires. I could tell you the story of James McDonald, who I thought was an excellent teacher. But you know what? Money got to him. The church got so big that, that he was tempted by money and he was ultimately led astray and he lost the calling that God had given him, rightfully so, because he was now about something different than God. But how it started, phenomenal. I could say that same thing too, probably about John MacArthur. Like there's something that happens over time because again, remember, we're all tempted. I'm still taking and dealing with temptations myself too. And hopefully the Lord keeps me straight and on his path. And I remember why, because all those temptations certainly allow us to walk astray, if you will, from side to side and away from the glory of the Lord in all of this. And so, be careful, certainly what you're listening to. And after saying all that in the context of false teachers, we could translate this passage to anyone in a position of authority whose words that we follow. And not necessarily a position of authority, but a position of influence in our lives. Doctors can have an influence on our lives. Our parents can have an influence on our lives. Our family can have an influence on our lives. Our friends can have an influence on our lives, right? Brothers and sisters in church can have an influence on our lives. Our bosses that we work for can have an influence on our lives. Our coaches, you know, if we're in sports, have an influence on our lives. And this is probably the worst one. Politicians have a ridiculous influence on some people's lives. And so, I bring you to this. A forest ablaze by words in verse 5 there. In verse 5, very simply, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And so, let's look at it this way. Do you remember back in high school, I think you were all in high school, right? None of you dropped out early, got your GEDs, you were all in high school. Do you remember rumors? Do you remember gossip? I mean, this could seriously be today, too. You know in your work office with the 500 cubicles and the people that really don't want to work but just want to talk about other people all the time? Remember, do you know what rumors and gossip ultimately do? They destroy lives. Do you know what we like to do because we're bored and have nothing better to do? Eh, we like to rumor and gossip. Do you see the problem <laughs> that human beings have with other human beings? And this kind of flows into the third point a little bit too, because we bless the Lord with one mouth and then we curse others with this same mouth that we have. And so rumors and gossip certainly can be deadly. So-and-so did such-and-such such with who-and-who, and, who, and oh my goodness, can you believe that they did blah, 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 blah. Yeah. There's been relationships that have been destroyed because of rumors and gossip. There was someone in town that decided to try to spread a rumor about my wife and I. But luckily, the persons that they shared the gossip to knew us. And they're like, All right, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? I know Jennifer and Eric. That is not them. So this person that was spreading the rumors actually got it kind of slapped back in their own face in that way. But... If I didn't know these people, 
then there would be people that have a false impression about me without actually taking the time to know me. And then there's a preconceived judgment laid upon my head that I had no influence, impact on, nor desire, nor issue with this person, but because someone needed to spread some gossip, it, you know, it went sideways. It's terrible. Again, such a small little thing. It starts with one person and it spreads like wildfire. You know what the glory of this can be, though? If you share the gospel. <laughs> because just the same, if you share it with one person, then that person shares it with another person, that person shares it with another person. But for some reason, we like to just speak ill of other people rather than talk about good news with other people. So praise be the Lord that he actually saves us. Because why he has anything to do with us sometimes, I wonder. Because we are so double-minded and two-faced in so many of our human interactions on a daily basis. But you know what? Let's go one more step further because especially with this, you know, all these different people that we can look at. Boy, the conspiracy theories of today are destroying an entire country. I don't know if you've heard about this QAnon thing. It is off the walls baddie. And honestly, if any of you spread these QAnon rumors, I want you to know ultimately you're lying because you don't know this for fact. It's a theory. You're, you're not telling people the truth. You're lying to them because you think it might be the truth. That's a tough one. It's a hard pill to swallow. But certainly with that theory out there. I also want to talk about this foolishness that we've heard in society right now and especially from politicians who honestly, are paid to lie. So why we listen to them, I'm not entirely sure. But there's this whole white Christian nationalism thing that's going on out there. And if you know scripture and you know the Lord Jesus, you know that those three words have absolutely nothing to do with one another. First off, we know our Lord Jesus. Where was he born? He was born of Jewish descent. He was born in the Middle East. He is not Caucasian. Why is white in there? Other than, that's what someone wanted. Now, Christian means you are a disciple and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means. It doesn't mean anything else. It means you are a disciple and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if these people who decided to put white, Christian, and nationalism together in, in this little phrase were actually Christians, they would understand that white and nationalism has nothing to do with being a Christian. Then lastly, nationalism. God was for the nation of Israel, but you see from the Old Testament how that went. Now, when Jesus came, he came to inaugurate the church. It is multicultural, multi-ethnic. It is across every nation. It is across every country. And it is not a white people's only thing. So, nationalism does not exist in Christ's world. He's global. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He doesn't need one nation. He's got the world. And he's not Caucasian. And if they were really following Jesus, they would understand that white and nationalism are not in the Lord's vocabulary. So, conspiracy theories. Things of that nature. We still do it. We still continue to lie. And then lastly, as something, a hot topic in the news, certainly the mental illness of today all stems ultimately 
from bullying and from spreading rumors and gossip about people that doesn't need to be spread about people. I said this before about a lot of these shooters. If anyone had paid any attention to them and actually been nice to them and actually acknowledged their existence, odds are these things wouldn't have happened. But because of human nature and because kids are inherently ridiculously cruel, because they have no idea who they are themselves, and they're making standards for themselves, and you know, culture and society tells you what you should be like, and if someone doesn't fit this mold, then they're weird, and you should make fun of them, and you should bully them, and you should do all these things to them. Now, it's because of that brokenness in culture and society, because of our tongues and because of our words and because of our actions that lead these people to do that, because honestly, they, they have no other idea on what to do. Like, they're just so frustrated because no one pays any attention to them, loves them, whatever it may be that they need. And we all need love. And you know that based on your own experience that we all need love. And we all should be accepted. And this is, again, part of the reason why James hit into that partiality thing because they were showing partiality to the rich. The rich who oppressed them, like, here, take this. Here, sit here, 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 here. You're prominent in society. Here, here, here. Whereas God might not have called them to be a part, but because you think there's something in society. But again, the bottom line, don't show partiality. Every human being is worthy of dignity and respect in our society and our culture. So, words matter. Okay? Who you let pilot or influence your life matters. And knowing how to evaluate and discern the will of who you follow matters. In the case of teachers, there are cultural influences and they can lead us astray. Exactly like what I just talked about with partiality. That's a cultural influence that you give people like movie stars, athletes, politicians, someone that's known well in society that you show favoritism towards them. And you'll push someone else aside to show this person who honestly, quite frankly, doesn't care about you in the first place for the most part because they're who they are. And everyone is always kissing their booty for whatever reason. And so, in the case of Christ and God's word though, see his life through the Gospels and realize the power of his truth to change and influence lives through love through mercy, and through grace. Those three things. And you can read this also in the epistles and the New Testament. Love, mercy, and grace is what we all need, which is one, again, one of the many reasons that I listen to and let Jesus influence my life by faith that leads to my actions in everyday life. Jesus' influences have had a profound implication to my worldview as well as to my day-to-day -day hands and feet life. And that's the reality. Has it changed you or have these other things in society had such a great influence on you that you can rush back the Lord in all of this? And so just be careful. Now, last point. And even though it's the biggest section 
It's the shortest point. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? <laughs> so, verse 6 through 8, we can take this all together. Because the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, it stains the whole body, and it sets on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. So I think about that the, the phrase, I'm sure a lot of us are thinking about set on fire from hell. Like remember, this is about temptation. It's about inner desires, and certainly the devil tempts us based on our inner desires, what we want, whether that looks like, you know, what we worship, what we idolize, you know, power, money, wealth, fame, fortune, and many other slew of other such things. But the setting on fire the entire course of life. I really thought about this one for a little bit too, and, and it's kind of funny because I saw some court videos this week. And, and for whatever reason, they they really like it just it cracked me up because like these people how do i put this nicely they didn't know when to stop talking and when they didn't know when to stop talking things got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse for them and i just went how have you not stopped talking yet why have you known not to be quiet I watched this poor girl go from a $5,000 offense to a $50,000 offense because she got so upset that she got charged $5,000 for this offense of stealing and being, you know, reckless in public. And then she decided to have a few choice words as she was walking away from the judge. And the judge heard her. The judge is like, come on back. And this went on, no joke. Four times, the judge came down with another verdict, and then the girl walked away saying something. The judge came down with a harder verdict, the girl walked away saying something. And I'm like, man, how many times does this continually happen in our day-to-day -day life in our society where people just don't know when to stop talking? And I think that is very prevalent in today's society, too, especially as we've talked about, you know, all the people that have different influences in our lives. We can see about, you know, certain people uh, that are prominent that, you know, have spread lies and misinformation. Their day is coming. Their day is most certainly coming by spreading those lies and that misinformation. Make no mistake about it. And what's even funnier is they don't know how to stop now. They don't know how to stop lying and spreading misinformation at this point. So they're going down with it. They're going down with the lie. And man, boy, that is just going to burn so many people and so many things. And we can see it's been super destructive in our society, too. And so it really does set on fire the entire course of life. Your words most definitely matter. Character matters. And our conduct matters. But certainly the words that we use matter. And they have a huge impact on the lives of other people as well as us. And so then we see verse 9 through 12. We understand certainly that the world is full of unrighteousness by verse 6 through 8. But in 9 through 12, hopefully you begin to see again that the world is indeed holy and divine in a sense. And so you see that 
With it, certainly, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in a likeness. And from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. How amazingly made are we to be created in the image of God? How amazingly created are we that we even have these mouths and we're able to bless and curse and that we have this free will. And unfortunately, because of our inherent sinful nature, we don't understand the righteousness of God until we have that dwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes within us. And so it's because of that Holy Spirit within us that we even have that option for to lead a righteous life, if you will. Because otherwise, culture, situations, and circumstances of our lives dictate who we are as human beings. And so we see in these last couple of verses the reality. Does this spring pour forth from the same opening, fresh and salt water? No. It's a rhetorical question. You know the answer to that. So this isn't like, oh, we better look in the history books and the geography books and figure this out. We already know these answers, much like a lot of these. And so, again, because it's wisdom literature, it causes you to think. And so, yeah, a spring, it's one or the other. Right? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, of course not. That's not that's not how God created it. Can a salt pond yield fresh water? No. Because it's a salt pond. So it's gonna yield salt water. A fresh pond will yield fresh water. But it, do you see the duplicity of the human being? Because that, I think, is what we need to see and to understand. Because when I look around this room, man, I see some awesome people with a lot of amazing blessings in the Lord, spiritual gifts to love other people and to be a part of something greater than themselves. And then when I look around this room, too, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when someone said it's such and such. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I remember that. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. So they're all terrible human beings, too. You know? But how we choose to look at people certainly is important. And so our Lord ultimately is amazing. Praise the Lord. I have no doubt about that. Our God is awesome. What can be known of our God is plain to see in the things that have been made. And as human beings, we're the pinnacle of creation. We are created in his likeness and his image. And we are all unique. And it is amazing. And then you look at all the rest of the world around us. You, you hear about springs and fig trees and olives. And you know, think about birds of the air and fish of the sea and beasts of the field. And you know what? Birds of the air don't become fish of the sea. They're all different. And they're all created differently. And all have different purposes. People are amazing too. Except we're pretty evil at the core. And I think you just have to come to terms with that in, in our lives, especially as a lot of people out there think these Christians are shiny, happy people that don't ever sin, that don't have any problems, no trials and tribulations. And I'm like, you've never read the Bible. Because <laughs> this is just full of trials and tribulations. Think about all that the New Testament church has gone through. If we're looking for sunshine and rainbows, that's our hope for the future. But we continue to grow in grace continue to be sanctified throughout all this. And so, I have no doubt in my mind that we've all said things that we've regretted or we've all said things that have hurt others. Right? Right, yeah, okay. <laughs> I also have no doubt that we've disappointed people. And I have no doubt that we've been disappointed by other people. 
Jesus, we pray. Amen. 